This is your Thursday Daily Delivery. I am Michael Rand. We got a lot to get to today, everybody. It's good, to, good show coming up. Pat Garofalo, state representative from Minnesota, will join me here in just a little bit to give an update on where we stand with the legalization of sports wagering. You know, nationwide, it's become much more prevalent thanks to a, a ruling from the Supreme Court a few years ago. A lot of different states have legalized sports wagering, including Iowa. Um, has had it for a little while now. Wisconsin seems like it's coming on board here very soon as well. What's the what's the status in Minnesota? Pat Garofalo will help us kind of figure that out, see how we got to the point where sports gambling is far more mainstream than it ever used to be. I'll talk about the links here in a little bit. Tough one for them on Wednesday night and then kind of put a dent in some of their playoff expectations, but not all hope is lost. And I have to mention a little bit of uh, U.S. men's soccer qualifying for the uh, World Cup because there was a tale of two halves and a tale of Twitter where a lot of people were complaining bitterly for 45 minutes and then suddenly got very happy when things changed in the second half. But first, what did I miss? Got to talk about Joe Ryan, Twins pitcher. Now, I wrote, you know, after his first start, I wrote um, wrote and talked about, but more extensively wrote about, uh, you know, the Twins rookie and his pitch mix and how I really liked what I saw from a lot of what he did in his debut last week, but that at this level, I felt like he wasn't mixing in all, all of his pitches. You got four pitches, you got to use them at this level, even if your fastball is good is deceptive if you can throw it for strikes. You've got to get big league hitters off of the fastball. And the point I made that time was 43 of the first 50 pitches he threw in his debut were fastballs. And you know, and that that worked for him in the first couple innings, but it caught up to him in, in the inning where he gave up the three runs in his debut. And after a mound visit from Wes Johnson, completely changed his pitch mix and started throwing you know only more like 50% fastballs the rest of the way. And had had a couple of clean uh, clean innings after that. So I was curious to see what would he do in start two. Would he make some adjustments? The pitch mix was much better, and the results were even more spectacular and successful than they were the first time out. Didn't have that one hiccup inning. So basically, I had him down for. I think he threw 85 pitches. About 60% were fastballs, and that's fine. He's got a good fastball. He trusts it. He likes to get ahead in the count with it. But basically, inning by inning, I went and looked at how many fastballs, how many sliders, how many change-ups, and how many curveballs he threw. Now, basically, by the end of his start, he wound up with, I think, about 51 fastballs, and then the rest out of his 85 pitches were a mix of sliders, about 15 of those, eight change-ups, nine curveballs, and the curveball, a very slow curve, around 73, 74 miles an hour. So a lot of variance in the velocity on those pitches, different, uh, you know, different looks to those pitches, and definitely mixing it up every inning, he threw at least three different types of pitches. Some innings he threw all four of his pitches. There's three innings of there, two, three, and four, uh, where he threw all four of his pitches and was just mowing down the Cleveland hitters, obviously, to the tune of a perfect game through six and the third innings. Um, you know, some hard hit outs, but, you know, those those count too, and plenty of, you know, working ahead, getting guys, uh, you know, getting guys to hit weak contact, getting guys, you know, to swing and miss too, so... You know, I think that is kind of the blueprint for Joe Ryan in the major leagues. I know he was dominating in the minors this year, probably didn't have to rely quite as much on pitch mix when you can locate a sneaky fastball that, you know, sits at 92, 93, you can get it up there. 
But, you know, you know, David Ross, the Cubs manager, said, you know, looks like 96-97 in his debut. Um, so that's going to be his number one pitch. But he's going to have to mix in those other three pitches. And in, um, in his second start Wednesday, he did that in a big way. And it paid off for a big way. Twins win again, 3-0. Joe Ryan gets his first major league victory and, uh, you know, does it in a way that seems sustainable. So how he does down the stretch here will do a lot to determine how I feel about this rotation going into 2022. If, if you like Bailey Ober and you like Joe Ryan, then you've got the foundation for, you know, some optimism for 2022 if you can add some right pieces around them. Not saying it's going to be easy, not saying it's automatic. They tried that this year and it didn't work, but I am saying if he is, you know, not perfect game good, but if he is, you know, pitching to his fullest capabilities and Bailey Ober is pitching good like he has been down the stretch here, you feel a lot better about 2022 than you might otherwise. Let's talk about the links here for a minute too. I talked about the game on Wednesday show, big one coming up against Vegas. That happened Wednesday night and it did not go well for the links. They got blown out, gave up over a hundred points to Las Vegas, pretty much dashed any hopes the Lynx had of getting a double buy into the WNBA playoffs. They've already clinched a playoff berth, but now, you know, with just uh, Lynx having just four games left, Las Vegas having just three games left, uh, Lynx two and a half games behind Vegas for that second seed. Lynx dropped all the way to fifth, by the way. They're between Seattle. Seattle and Phoenix are between them. So right now in that fifth spot, they would have to play in the opening round not get any buys and have to play two single elimination rounds just to get to that final four. Now, the good news is the Lynx have four games left. Three of them are against Indiana, the worst team in the league. So they've got that going for them. They can, uh, you know, they can gain some, should be able to gain some victories there. And their fourth game is against the Mystics, Washington, another team that's, you know, not in the playoff picture right now, 10 and 18. So good chance for the Lynx to run the table not easy for them to, like I said, get to get past Vegas, but should be possible maybe if uh, if Seattle and or Phoenix falters to get up back into that top four, get a first, you know, a first buy at least, get past that first round, and then wait for whoever they get in that next matchup. So tough one for them the other night though, and uh, kind of exposes some things they're lacking, some depth right now, some injured players going to have to get healthy, going to have to get better by the time the playoffs do roll around. I'm Chris Hine, Timberwolves beat writer at the Star Tribune and the first five-time guest in daily delivery history. Thank you for listening to this podcast. This work is made possible by our Star Tribune subscribers. For unlimited access to the articles mentioned in this podcast, our coverage of Minnesota sports from pros to preps, and even all of Rand's future blog posts about how the Timberwolves should trade for players they will never get, go to startribune.com slash subscribe. Happy to be joined on Daily Delivery today by Pat Garofalo, State Representative 58B um, in Minnesota. I believe that's down in the South Metro. Is that right, Pat? Yes, sir. It's the city of Farmington as well as portions of rural Dakota and Goodhue counties. And uh, Pat has been in the mix on um, a lot of different things. Obviously, when you're a, a lawmaker, you are you know have a, have a lot of things going on. But one of the things that you've been fairly front and center on is gambling in the state, whether it's, you know, traditional casino gambling, but now more recently, the idea of legalizing sports wagering in Minnesota. So I thought, you know, with football season upon us, this would be a good time to get some of the lay of the land on that and kind of 
what your efforts have entailed and kind of where we are right now. So first off, welcome. How are you doing today? Uh, very good. Very good. Looking forward to uh, some nice weather in the month of September and hopefully uh, a good start to the Minnesota Vikings football season this year. So it's always, I was, in addition to being an advocate for sports gambling, I'm also a fan. So it's uh, with the Gophers and the Vikings starting off this month, it should be a good time. You can always wish for that. We don't always get what we want, although October <laughs> is a real thing. So maybe uh, maybe the season will start better uh, than, uh, than 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 might uh, than might otherwise uh, finish up. Um, so on the on the subject of sports wagering, um, kind of maybe you can. I know some of the backstory, but maybe for some of the listeners, like you know, it used to be that forever it was you know Nevada, Las Vegas, and obviously like Atlantic City had its own thing going too, but Things changed a few years ago. Now a lot of different states have are operating their own sports books and have legalized wagering on sports in those states. How did we get there? Sure. Well, this all started with the state of New Jersey. They initiated litigation challenging the federal law that prohibited sports gambling. Uh, you correctly mentioned that that prohibition on sports gambling it excluded a s- certain states like Nevada and other places. But uh, New Jersey challenged that federal ban, and in May of 2018, the Supreme Court agreed with them. Uh, A majority of the Supreme Court said the federal ban on sports gambling was wrong and negated it. And what that did is it took that issue and it threw it to the states to decide on an individual basis. And since then, you can imagine that the popularity of gambling combined with the popularity of sports has resulted in really an explosion of activity in this area. Now there's over 20 states where sports gambling is legalized. That number will continue to increase. In addition to the uh, consumer's uh, preference for this and being able to engage in it, those who run pro sports teams, uh, those who are involved in uh, athletic leagues, are very interested in seeing sports gambling legalized because what it does is it brings people in to watch the games to watch the contest, but also it gets them to stick throughout the, the, uh, the contest. So uh, in the area of television advertising, that is the gold standard, that when you can get high viewership and people will watch from beginning to end, that's really, that's what you want is people's attention. And no surprise that sports gambling, that when people put a modest amount of money down on a contest, they are much more likely to watch that. Absolutely. And a couple of different interesting branches off of that that I want to get to as we uh, as we talk here today. You know, one is the attitude of leagues towards gambling, which is feels like it's done a complete 180 or at least a public 180. Whereas before leagues took great pains to distance themselves from the idea of gambling, saw it as a threat to the integrity of games. And now you're seeing, you know, the NFL, other leagues like partnering with you know, various casinos and, and books to, you know, kind of basically join hand in hand on this. How, how do you think that evolved to, to, to where we are in, in that in that space right now? Well, I'm old enough to remember Jimmy the Greek Snyder on the old NFL Today show with Brent Musburger. I am too. And he, would, and he was very careful whenever they would ask him his predictions. He would say, well, I see the Giants winning today, but by less than a touchdown. And they would... Uh, they were very disciplined and very limited in, in what they could say. Uh, when it comes to sports gambling, it's important to recognize that this has always been going on. Um, you know, sports bookies, the underground market, 
there's a reason why the newspapers have always posted the betting lines. It wasn't for amusement only. Uh, it's very popular. People enjoy it. Uh, you know, in places like Minnesota, you know, people's, you know, your father's bookie was the kind of guy who showed up at your first communion or your confirmation. So <laughs> it's really, um, it really is the, the big change here is that bringing it from the underground into a regulated economy in making sure that uh, it's transparent and people are aware of it. And the primary driver for all of this from every professional league is money and viewership with the development of cell phones and sort of, you know, cell phones are very good at capturing people's attention. And when that happens, people pay less attention to things like movies or uh, sporting contests or anything on TV. And sports gambling is another way from the, from the league's perspective to gain some of those viewers back or to retain those viewers again in capturing people's attention and making sure that they're, uh, they're watching their product. Now, as far as Minnesota goes, um, you know, we've seen some neighboring states jump into this quicker with, you know, with both feet. Iowa has legalized sports wagering. I don't know where Wisconsin is, but it feels like they're maybe on the on the road to doing that. Um, Minnesota, you've you've been at the, you know, at, at, been at the, the forefront, so to speak, of, of trying to get this legalized here. Where where do we stand with that right now? And what are the potential roadblocks we have in Minnesota? Uh, well, you're correct. So the state of Wisconsin will be the next bordering state. There, there's an agreement with a tribe, and I lose track of what's public and what's private, but Wisconsin's going to be next in terms of our uh, where people will be able to legally sports gamble. Uh, Iowa has already had it uh, for quite a while. And to give you a sign of just how uh, much people enjoy sports gambling, the, uh, the and this is public information, the Diamond Joe's Sportsbook, which is just south of Minnesota. It's right on Interstate 35. Oh, yeah. I'm familiar um, with south, it. Okay. <laughs> just, just south of uh, Albert Lee. During the NCAA Final Four, the opening weekend, they took in more handle, more betting action on sports than the FanDuel outlet in the Meadowlands, New Jersey did. So, wow. um, okay. yeah, so <laughs> there's a lot of people driving down, uh, driving down to Iowa. So, uh, you know, no states that have legalized this are considering reversing it. You're not going to see um, the number of states shrink. You're going to see it increase. And uh, in Minnesota, unfortunately, for, for various reasons, we're just kind of stuck in the mud. Uh, it's become, uh, for, again, for various reasons, the state of Minnesota just seems like we can't do anything quickly. And so what Minnesotans are doing is uh, three things. Number one, some of them are continuing to bet uh, illegally in unregulated markets, whether it's Caribbean, you know, offshore sports books, Caribbean sports books. Uh, secondly, is that people are driving to Iowa and neighboring states to engage in these laws because you don't have to be an Iowa resident to do it. Uh, you can open your account in Minnesota. You can deposit money in Minnesota. You just got to be in Iowa to make the wager. Um, and so they do that. Uh, and then third and finally is that we're seeing new platforms coming forward now that are legal in Minnesota. So for example, there's a there's a website out there now that it doesn't facilitate sports bets, but or it doesn't take your sports bets. But what they do is they they match you up. So you put a bid out there saying, I'm willing to, um, pay this amount of money at these odds for a contest, and then they match you up with somebody else. They don't make any money on the transaction, but that model is growing in popularity, and you're going to see more and more people um, uh, doing that. So, in 
it's a, as government is stuck in the mud, people continue to move forward. Uh, people engage in their lives and they kind of do what they want, regardless of what government tells them. Can you speak to any of the things that have us stuck in the mud? I'm sure it's, you know, you come at, from a, come at it from a certain perspective where you are in favor of this, but what are some of the, you know, some of the things that are, you know, either the drawbacks that people are seeing or the things that are keeping it from happening? Sure. Well, I mean, the, the first thing is that we've got a lot going on, right? We're in the middle of a pandemic. There's that. Uh, we had, you know, last year we had the riots in Minnesota, uh, lots of things going on. And so it's when something like sports gambling, legalizing it, that kind of sucks the oxygen out of the room. And it's very difficult to prioritize that uh, over more important issues. Uh, and in the middle of a pandemic, that's, you know, that's entirely reasonable, not just for sports gambling, uh, but other issues. Uh, second of all is that I think the, the those that would be most involved in it, whether it's pro or amateur teams, uh, whether it's the uh, charitable gaming outfits, tribal casinos, they haven't really spoke with a unified voice on this. Uh, those who are current stakeholders in that process, you're starting to see that come unstuck now that you're seeing uh, the popularity in other states, you're seeing uh, the benefits to pro sports teams in other states. It's important to understand around sports economics that not as much in football, but in hockey, baseball, and basketball, those local television contracts, that those local TV contracts that are negotiated, those are primarily revenue streams for the individual teams. So the Twins, the Timberwolves, the Minnesota Wild. And we know that when Minnesota legalizes sports gambling, and that, I mean, that is going to happen, I just can't tell you when, that when that happens, you will see bumps in viewership uh, across those teams. And th that increased viewership, again, means another revenue stream for teams. So every day that goes by that Minnesota does not legalize sports gambling, from the consumer perspective, they may consumers may not care because they'll just engage in going to their local bookie still or going to offshore Caribbean books. Uh, but for the local sports teams, every day that goes by without this passing is costing them money. Uh, that's a lack of, of revenue. And so you're going to continue to see this momentum and pressure build, but uh, I just I can't offer a prediction of when uh, when it's actually going to happen. Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned the offshore because in preparation for writing, you know, writing a story about this and doing this podcast, I wanted to see like how easy is it to actually make a bet in Minnesota, and like I'm not going to tell people how to do it, but like you can make a bet in Minnesota, from Minnesota from your couch from your phone within about 15 minutes from now, and that's. It's it's not that hard, but it is you know you know the whatever you want to say about the integrity of some of these places or you know whether it's a hundred percent legal or not uh, is another question. But it, it's not a question of is it happening right now, is it? No, no, there's no doubt at all. And you you said it best is that you know these offshore sports books. I I mean we don't know what they do with this money, and you have zero consumer protections. And many times when you want to cash out your winnings it's very challenging to get a hold of your money and bring it back. So for various reasons, these are all benefits to why sports gambling should be legalized in a regulated market in Minnesota. It's not because it's going to generate a bunch of tax revenue for the state of Minnesota. It would be a very modest amount. It would be some, but very modest. The primary benefits are number one, getting law enforcement focused on more important issues. Number two is getting those consumer protections in place so that people have, you know, honest brokers of, of disputes. And then third and finally is to make sure uh, that uh, in addition to those consumer protections that we're defunding organized crime and the criminal element. 
Um, it's, it's no secret that some of these sports books that are offshore can be used for money laundering and narco trafficking purposes. And we don't, we don't want Americans or Minnesotans to be accidentally funding or supporting them. That's a good point. A um, couple more things for you, Pat Garofalo, enjoying this conversation, um, your insights into all of this. Um, you said you don't really have a timetable for when it gets legalized. You say you have confidence that it will be. What are kind of what are next steps or kind of what what approach has to has to happen from you or from other places to to uh, to to see that momentum build again? Well, and again, you see popular trends now, whether it's ESPN or other networks, they're actually integrating sports gambling content into their broadcasts where they're showing what the likelihood of a team winning or losing is um, the expected number of points or runs scored in a game. And so as sports broadcasting, uh, sports entertainment integrates that into their broadcasts, that's only going to increase the public interest, the public momentum for legalizing that. So that's sort of on autopilot. The, the size of the sports gambling market in the United States right now is a fraction of what it will be in two, five, or even 10 years from now. And so that, that's, that's taking place. In addition, the popularity of it is going to continue to grow. The real variable is going to be when uh, the, the average Minnesotan, the person who wants that, contacts their legislators and says, hey, I want this to happen. I want the, This is an issue for me. Uh, like it or not, people tend to be responsive to voters uh, when they're in elected office. And until uh, once voters start emailing and calling their legislators, that's most likely going to be when you see the final action taking place, just like with Sunday liquor sales. You know, for years it floundered that a, a bill to allow buying liquor on Sundays floundered at the legislature. It never moved forward. It wasn't until enough people contacted the legislature to say, hey, cut this out. I don't want to have to drive to Wisconsin on Sunday to buy a six pack that sort of it passed and then no one even thought about it the second time. And that's that's the likely avenue that you're going to see on sports gambling is whenever whenever Minnesotans get fed up enough of sick of driving to Iowa or using goofy Caribbean websites to gamble, uh, that's when you're going to start seeing action at the legislature. Now, the, I think the counter to this is when you make this easier, when you make it you know more widely available, do you then run into, you're going to run into probably more people that, you know, develop gambling problems, gambling addiction, things like that. I mean, that's a, it's a real concern. I think that would be a legitimate one. Like, is this where we want to go as a state? How would you, how would you counter that? Or how would you answer to that piece of it? Well, I would say that gambling addiction in general is a real concern. However, when it comes to the area of sports gambling, it's a very low level concern. And the reason why is that when you when a person bets on sports, the resolution of the contest as an extended period of time, whether it's an hour and a half or three hours, there just isn't that um, sort of the addiction cycle that takes place needs to be quicker. Whereas something with like a slot machine where you're immediately getting the repetitive motions, you're being involved uh, in getting that hit, that's where you're more likely to see the addictive uh, behaviors taking place. So whether it's um, you know, slot machines, uh, table games with immediate resolution. Of all the forms of gambling, sports gambling is one of the least addictive ones, again, because of that large time frame. But that being said, it's still a legitimate concern is that particularly among young men, they have overconfidence of their abilities and skills and think that they're going to be able to uh, outpick the, mar uh, out the market. Um, and that's a concern. And that's why as part of this, we need to make sure that we're having uh, treatment available, that we're having problem gaming awareness being made available. 
Uh, but it's important to remember that all these activities are taking place right now. Uh, but it's just primarily underground or out of state. Last thing for it, maybe turn to something a little bit more fun, even though I'm enjoying this conversation a lot. Um, you know, we talk a lot about sports wagering. Like, what do you what do you think about the upcoming, you know, NFL season, Vikings? Do you, I mean, I know you you go to Vegas sometimes. I've seen your your Twitter feed, things like that. You're no stranger to it. Uh, what what are your what are you thinking this year? Uh, well, I mean, the so first of all, from a policy standpoint, uh, professional football, the NFL, and to a lesser degree, college football, those are the sports that people most enjoy betting on. And so, what you're going to see this fall is record sports handle bets uh, in the United States. You're going to see. Uh, new records being set uh, last year, and for the first time, New Jersey eclipsed Nevada in terms of monthly and quarterly totals on sports gambling. So those trends are going to continue. But specifically in uh, in football, uh, it, you know, and of course, as always, I, sh- I would consult your, uh, your, your advise your listeners, uh, speak to a true expert before making any financial decisions invo- involving wagering. But uh, in the NFL, I think there's some teams that are pretty good out there right now. I think a good team to, um, if you're looking to for a team that's going to win their division, the Tennessee Titans, uh, their uh, their that division has the Houston Texans as well as the Jacksonville Jaguars, who are really not competitive to win their division. It's down to the Colts and Texans are right, or excuse me, the Colts um, and the Titans. I would take the Titans to win that division. I think that's a good uh, that's a good bet. You can get them at minus one ten or minus one twenty. Uh, another good wager is the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, their over under win total. Uh, what you can expect from them in terms of uh, they had a really bad year last year uh, in terms of a lot of bad luck, but with the new 17 game season, I see them getting 11 or more wins and that'll, that'll pay you even money. And then third and finally, and this is where the, you know, the hometown fan comes in. uh, I I, I like the Vikings this year, Um, whether it's getting more than eight and a half wins, whether it's making the playoffs or even an optimistic scenario of the Vikings uh, winning the division. Uh, there's a lot of things that went wrong for the Vikings last year and a lot of things that went good for the Packers. Packers have already got problems with their offensive line. Of course, it was the Aaron Rodgers holdout situation. Um, the Vikings now, with, with having fans back in the stands, it's a huge home field advantage for them that I don't think the market's appropriately priced in terms of victory. And uh, the Vikings offense is you know one of the best in the in the league. There's Dalvin Cook, Thielen, Jefferson, or... Uh, cousins and now with a revamped defense with improved secondary and a, a stronger defensive line having a more aggressive stronger pass rush is one of the best things you can do to help your secondary so i think you're going to see coach zimmer return the vikings defense to to where they belong but so for those uh, those who are interested in wagering that's titans to win the division uh over 10 and a half wins for the san francisco 49ers and then uh the vikings whether you want take them to make the playoffs over eight and a half wins or um, to win the division. And so, of course, if those predictions are right, I would ask you to keep this up. If they're wrong, please delete this uh, podcast from <laughs> any and all uh, uh, references. But then when it comes to baseball, uh, Yankees have got a lot of momentum. So do the Do-Dot Dodgers. Major League Baseball might get what they want. And that's a, that's a Dodgers-Yankees World Series. Wow, that'd be something. Well, enjoyed the, uh, the predictions. I don't know if I agree with the Vikings one, but you know what? We'll see where that season goes. Feels like not a lot right has happened so far, but you know, eight and a half wins is not a huge bar to cross. So even if you're just keeping up with this for entertainment purposes, we'll see, uh, we'll see if the Vikings can cross that threshold. Basically, we mean a winning season 
basically the difference between a winning season and a losing season, how you see that over under number with the 17 game schedule. Um, Pat, the Greek, Pat Garofalo. <laughs> um, thank you so much for joining me on daily delivery today. And I'll be watching this as we go forward, um, seeing kind of seeing where we're at. Let's keep in touch. All right. Absolutely. And for you or your listeners, if you ever have any questions about how to contact your legislator or about sports gambling or the proposals, uh, feel free to email me. It's pat.garofalo at house.mn. Or if you're on social media, if you're on Twitter, it's just at Pat Garofalo. If you can't remember how to spell Garofalo, just remember the vowels go A-O-A-O. So G-A-R-O-F-A-L-O. There it is. Awesome, man. Appreciate it. Take care. All right. Thank you very much. Have a good one. You too. Really enjoyed that conversation. Appreciate Pat Garofalo's time. Don't know if I'd take his advice on the Vikings. I've, I've even seen like an over-under on Kirk Cousins' passing yard totals floating out there. Like 4,300 yards would definitely take the under on that if I was a betting man. Um, not legal in this state, of course, so watch out for that. But um, the bigger picture, I think it was interesting to kind of get the lay of the land. And I have, I'm doing a story on this um, you know, for, for the Star Tribune, startribune.com probably for later this month. So I'm talking to a wider audience than just Pat Garofalo. Had a chance to talk to Dave St. Peter, the Twins president recently too. And he had a lot of interesting things to say about where this is headed, kind of the impact on teams, both, you know, in this market and big picture in Major League Baseball. You know, there's a lot of states that have legalized it and are making a certain amount of money right now. And uh, it's going to put some pressure on things. His his guess, his, uh, his um, you know, best... Uh, best prediction at this point was that it's not it's that it's a matter of when not if and that sometime in the next three to five years or so he said that this uh this is going to come to minnesota so we'll see a lot of forces at play here a lot of people have vested interest there's a lot of money that will be at stake so we'll be interested to see how this plays out no doubt let's finish with the cooler u.s men's national team trailed honduras one nothing at halftime in the uh in the next round of World Cup qualifying after two draws, including a home draw the other day against Canada. Fans were upset. Soccer Twitter, basically the worst overreactors in the world, maybe even worse than Vikings Twitter. Next thing you know, the U.S. scores four away goals in the second half, wins 4-1. Now all of a sudden their, uh, their qualifying cycle is in much better shape. So everything seems like it's okay now, maybe. But uh, not, to, not to take anything away from soccer Twitter, which will be right back on the gloom and doom if things falter again soon. That'll do it for today. Should have Mark Craig, uh, NFL Vikings writer on Friday show to talk about picks for the week, week one of the NFL, and to talk about his upcoming story off of his interview with Mike Zimmer. You won't want to miss that one on Friday. Thanks for joining me here today on Daily Delivery. I am Michael Rand. Write a review, download this podcast, read Star Tribune, startribune.com, and I'll catch you again on Friday.